You're listening to the Dietitian Cafe RD2B podcast, brought to you by New Ultra. My name is Lucy Deer and I'm a third year student dietitian. Through this podcast, we aim to share knowledge and inspire student dietitians and gain insight from knowledgeable and experienced guests. With November being National Career Development Month, I'm delighted to be joined by registered dietitian Estelle Carney to discuss how student dietitians can develop skills and gain experience alongside their degree. Estelle is a registered dietitian specialising in gastroenterology, colorectal surgery and critical care. Having graduated with a first class honours degree in dietetics from Queen Margaret University in Edinburgh, she now lives in Manchester and works full time in an acute hospital. Her current clinical role involves supporting patients with complex nutritional needs, including enteral and parenteral nutrition. Estelle is an active member of the BDA and has engaged in many volunteering roles outside of her NHS job. She is passionate about myth-busting nutrition misinformation online and uses her social media platforms to share educational posts and evidence-based nutrition information. In this episode, Estelle will share her experiences of transitioning from student dietitian to a specialist acute dietitian. We will also discuss how student dietitians can expand their skill sets and what experiences are beneficial to have when they qualify. Estelle will share her experiences of volunteering and how this helps her as a registered dietitian today. Without further ado, it is my pleasure to welcome Estelle to the podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Lucy. Not a problem. So to get started, can you tell us a bit about your own journey from student dietitian to your current role as a specialist dietitian? Yeah, sure. So I guess I've had quite a conventional journey into dietetics. I guess I've always known I've wanted to be a dietitian from kind of a teenage age, about 16, 17. I've always loved food and cooking, science. I love science. So biology and chemistry were my favorite subjects in school. And I guess I became quite interested in nutrition around about the age of 16. And I remember I was in an all girls school and I do remember a lot of the girls in my class kind of trying different fad diets and detox teas and things like that. And I remember thinking, right, okay, I I kind of would like to know a bit more about, you know, the science of nutrition. And so essentially started looking into different career paths to go down at university, considered nutrition at first, but I also considered different healthcare courses. I remember considering occupational therapy, speech and language therapy as well. Um, Until I came across dietetics as a profession. So my mom's friend actually worked as a dietitian and I spent a bit of time with her working in the community, uh, shadowing her clinic. And that really just affirmed for me that dietetics was the one. Um, I just found it so interesting and yeah, that, that was kind of it. So I started applying for different university degrees. So there's only one course in the Republic of Ireland um, at the time that actually offered dietetics as an undergrad. So I started applying to the UK. Um, so my final year of school, I was flying across back and forth to the UK doing interviews um, and went across to Edinburgh as one of the interviews. And I absolutely loved Edinburgh as a city. I loved QMU. Um, and I was lucky enough that Queen Margaret University offered me a place to study in their undergraduate degree. So at the age of 18, I just packed my bags and moved to Scotland for four years. So that was a fantastic experience and really enjoyed my four years in Edinburgh. And then I moved home to Ireland at the start of the pandemic. So I was completing my final exams online from home and started applying for kind of first band five jobs. 
and essentially started my first band five job in Manchester in July 2020 so that was fantastic experience obviously starting my career in the height of the pandemic as well brought with it many different challenges um, and I gained lots of skills and experience across different specialities including gastroenterology, colorectal surgery, um, infectious diseases, trauma and orthopedics, but cardio, cardiac and respiratory, um, some care of the elderly wards too. So it was really varied. Um, I was mainly seeing patients for nutrition support, a lot of ventral tube feeding, which I loved. So lots of NG tubes and PEG tubes and rigs coming in. So that was great. Um, and my favorite rotation that I completed was colorectal surgery. And um, so that's where I was introduced to parental nutrition. And I just thought that that was amazing that we could feed patients through their veins. So parental nutrition um, is essentially feeding patients intravenously. And um, so seeing lots of patients following bowel surgery, um, bits of their bowel removed and they needed intravenous nutrition, many different reasons. Some of these patients had kind of post-op ileus, so like paralysis of the bowel after surgery, or some of these patients had intestinal failure um, or had, you know, short bowel syndrome. So I absolutely love this. I also had an interest in gastro and in critical care as well, but unfortunately I didn't get to complete my rotation in critical care at this time. Um, and then I started going for band six jobs. So I was offered my current specialist role in April 21 and I started working in July. So I've only been working in this job for four months. So it is pretty new to me. I'm still kind of getting used to things um, at the moment, but I'm absolutely loving it. So at the moment, I cover a complex inpatient case. So, so that's mainly gastroenterology or a bit of gastroenterology Um critical care and colorectal surgery wards and I essentially cover an outpatient gastroenterology clinic as well um so see lots of different patients with different conditions like inflammatory bowel disease so like Crohn's colitis some IBS so low FODMAP uh, gastroparesis some celiac disease lots of upper GI things as well um, and things like that so I'm absolutely loving that I'm doing clinic on a weekly basis at the moment and in terms of my inpatient caseload lots of tube feeds on critical care which is all very new to me I've no prior experience in critical care so I'm still very much finding my feet and colorectal surgery again which I absolutely love so I'm working with a fantastic team of dietitians at the moment and I'm really loving my current role so yeah it's, it's been quite a journey and I guess a lot has changed over the past few years but I wouldn't have it any other way and yeah it's it's been great to kind of reflect back on. Brilliant that sounds like a fantastic journey to where you are now um, and of course it's it's great to hear about your passion for what you're doing as well it's always good to hear. So obviously the dietetics courses is super important in making sure that we're following evidence-based practice. But do you think it's important that students seek opportunities outside of university to gain extra experience as well? Yeah, 100%. I think students can really benefit from engaging in extra opportunities outside of university, especially when it comes to things like volunteering. So there'll always be opportunities out there to, to get involved in things. Having said that, I do think there are lots of opportunities within universities as well, obviously depending on what university you go to. But for example, I was a member of our dietetic society at the university, um, which was a fantastic experience. So volunteered at different events with them. And I know the Dietetic Society at Queen Margaret University um, are currently putting on lots of different events. So, for example, during COVID, they actually 
you know, volunteered with lots of different charities. They actually had a food bank for students as well um, to help them uh, throughout the pandemic. So I thought that that was fantastic work as well. Um, different things like volunteering at open days. So being able to represent dietetics at open days. And that was something I did as well in my final year. And I really enjoyed interacting with future dietetic cohorts and um, perhaps like running different nutrition workshops or getting involved in like local schools as well can be a good opportunity. In terms of, you know, getting involved in projects outside of uni, there are lots of different charities that student dietitians can volunteer for, such as Age UK, for example, um, especially with leading up to Christmas as well. I think a lot of these charities do really need students, you know, to kind of get involved. And I think student dietitians particularly are in a unique position to to help and and to you know share their knowledge of nutrition as well um especially with covid it, it's been difficult times a lot of people are living alone maybe struggling financially um so different charities might offer like shopping services things like that um even just volunteering at food banks or homeless shelters etc so there are loads of opportunities out there um and I think there are so many life skills to be gained from these kind of opportunities I mean in terms of communication for example I personally felt that as a student doing extra curricular things outside of my university course actually prepared me really well for placement and particularly in terms of communicating with groups of people and really helped to instill some confidence in me as well um even in terms of active listening skills compassion empathy all of those really really important qualities that dietitians should have and I really felt that my own experience um really helped to prepare me for placement on my own journey as a graduate dietitian um so yeah there are lots of opportunities out there I just think the students just need to put themselves out there as well great so whilst a student you represented the BDA at one of their food matters events what was that like Oh, that was amazing. I really, really enjoyed that experience. Um, so my course mate and I actually went to London for a few days to actually attend this event in person. So this was all pre-COVID um, when events were actually face-to-face and it was a lot easier to volunteer for events pre-COVID. A lot of things are online now and that's definitely a big barrier for students in terms of volunteering. Um, but yeah, essentially we represented the BDA's One Blue Doc campaign. So that's their campaign that focuses on promoting an environmentally sustainable diet. And I absolutely loved the day we interacted with so many different people from the nutrition industry um, sharing knowledge about sustainable diets. And I really love the kind of ethos of the One Blue Doc campaign because it focuses on making kind of small sustainable changes um, towards reducing our carbon footprint. So things like reducing our red meat consumption, increasing our intake of plant-based foods, um, reusing leftovers, reducing waste, recycling, all of those kind of things. Um, and we essentially interacted with people. We ran a stall and we also did some quizzes as well. So that was a fantastic experience. I think in terms of representing the BDA, there are lots of opportunities for students to get involved. Uh, for this particular event, I approached the BDA myself and asked whether they had any events for students to get involved in. And I also attended quite a few events throughout my time at university. So kind of branch events in Scotland. Um, and I really enjoyed those. It was great to kind of interact with graduate dietitians um, and to ask them questions about their roles. And I really did feel that it helped prepare me for my kind of role as a, as a graduate dietitian. Yeah, 
So you mentioned before, there are lots of opportunities available to students, lots of organisations that we can get involved with. Do you think it's important that student, student dietitians get involved with the BDA? Yeah, sure. So I don't think it's necessary that, you know, every student dietitian out there volunteers with the BDA. I think even just having membership is a great thing. So, for example, even getting involved with some of the specialist groups um, with the BDA. So as a student, I knew that I was quite interested in gastroenterology, for example. So I essentially joined the gastro specialist group and they've lots of good resources on there, too. Um, and the parenteral and enteral uh, specialist group again in is another great group to join they've lots of of good resources online too in terms of attending different branch events I do think that it is a good opportunity for students to get involved and just to network as well Um, I know some students are representatives for their local BDA branches and again that can be a fantastic experience I know the student reps for the BDA always are getting involved in different projects and supporting students, which I think is absolutely fantastic. But I think, you know, just even just being a member of the BDA and understanding that, you know, it is essentially our professional body and understanding the importance of it. But there are definitely some great networking opportunities that students can can gain through the BDA. Uh, one thing that I'd say in particular is the student forum on the BDA is absolutely fantastic. I know Costas, who was previous student rep, made lots of crib sheets for the BDA for students, which I personally used in my placements, which I found really helpful. And I think there's a resource on there that he made as well with questions for interviews, band five interview questions, which again, I actually used to prepare for my own band five interview and find that really, really helpful. So I think there is so much to be gained from just joining the BDA. And in terms of volunteering, it's just asking questions. It's, it's getting in contact with people and asking whether the opportunities are there. And I guess if, if you don't ask, you don't get. So if it's something you're interested in, definitely go ahead and put yourself out there. Absolutely. That's great advice. So as a student, you also volunteered as an active schools volunteer, working particularly with children requiring a little bit of extra support due to various learning difficulties. How did you get involved in this? So in my final year of uni, I started researching different volunteering opportunities in Edinburgh specifically. And I came across Active Schools as an organisation and contacted them immediately and said, oh, I'd love to get involved in this. So this particular role was working with uh, school pupils who had learning disabilities to help coach them sports. And it was absolutely fantastic experience. It's hands down one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. Um, as a teenager, I actually had experience of coaching basketball to children with learning disabilities, such as Down syndrome and autism. And I remembered really enjoying that. So I definitely jumped to this opportunity. So I had to go through safeguarding and we would lots of training in terms of communication from people with learning disabilities, some basic sign language, health and safety, etc. And then I started participating in weekly sessions. So it was based in a special needs school in Edinburgh. And we essentially had the opportunity to coach basketball one-to-one to these pupils and they all had individual needs which was really important to consider but then we also very much promoted that kind of group ethos and making it fun as well and I guess the whole ethos of active schools is to promote physical activity amongst school children 
but it is particularly important for people with, with learning disabilities because they are actually at a higher risk of obesity. And this is due to many different factors. But for example, actually male adults, uh, 31% of those with learning disabilities are obese. And it's actually 45% for, for females. And it's much lower for those who don't have learning disabilities. And people with learning disabilities do face many different barriers to physical activity. So the whole kind of ethos of active schools was to make that more accessible for the school pupils and to make it fun as well, not to make it overly competitive, but to really just promote, you know, a team ethos and enjoying the sport. So with each weekly session, I was observed by our kind of supervisor and given weekly feedback on my interactions with the children. And I really, really felt that I developed my communication skills so much from this experience. And it really instilled a lot of confidence in me uh, prior to commencing my final placement as well. So yeah, looking back, it was an incredible experience. And does having that experience help you to manage patients now that may have difficulty communicating and understanding your advice? Yeah, 100%. And especially even as a student dietitian going on my final placement, I really, really felt that it helped me. Um, at the moment, I do see lots of patients who have learning disabilities and learning difficulties whether that be you know autism um down syndrome even patients with neurological conditions such as parkinson's disease and things like that a lot of them will come in on enteral tube feeds for example so long-term tube feedings and this may be to due to dysphagia um but going back to communication i think the main thing that i kind of taught me was that you can't assume someone's ability to communicate based on either what they look like or what you think you know about them from say reading medical notes I will always try and speak to a patient I will always try even if I know that they have a severe learning disability because you don't know how much they understand and actually non-verbal communication is really really important as well so having a presence with that patient and even if they you know, can't fully engage with you during that assessment, you've at least made an effort. I think in terms of actual patient assessments, it's making that information very accessible. So keeping it very simple and straightforward and maybe thinking about like written resources, perhaps they might be that appropriate for patients who have a lower um, reading age, for example. Um, so it is really important to kind of adapt your communication in that way. And if you're unable to communicate with the patient themselves, speaking to the family or the next of kin and making sure that you still communicate that plan to the patient's family uh, is really, really important. And I think it is particularly important for people with learning disabilities because often they can't speak on their own behalf. And actually, we need to be acting in the best interest of that patient and so I do really feel like I have carried the skills that I've learned from my volunteering th throughout my journey as a student dietitian, but also in my role as a graduate dietitian. And it has really instilled confidence in me in terms of communicating with people who do experience those barriers to communication due to having either learning disabilities or, or learning difficulties, or even just, you know, patients with dementia, for example, will experience lots of different uh, communication difficulties or patients who um, have a hearing impairment where you have to 
um, implement written communication, for example. So it's just about being innovative and thinking about different communication aids that you can use during assessments as well. Fantastic. That sounds like it was a really good project to be involved with and definitely has helped develop your skills now. Um, so you've you've also worked closely with a community food charity to promote healthy eating and minimise health inequality. What did your role there involve? So I worked quite closely with Edinburgh Community Food. So they were essentially a charity and a social enterprise that focused on minimizing health inequalities in Edinburgh. Um, That was an incredible experience. I absolutely loved my time at Edinburgh Community Food. So I basically started off volunteering at their food stalls. So they set up uh, fruit and veg stalls across different hospitals in Edinburgh. And essentially we would also run like a food fax um, kind of display as well, where we would talk about general nutrition facts. And we'd have like a different theme every time we set up the stall. And we would engage with general members of the public, but also hospital staff as well. So doctors, nurses, different allied health professionals. So I really enjoyed that. And through volunteering at those stalls, I got to know some of the nutritionists that were working for the charity. And they asked me whether I'd like to get involved in their cooking classes. So I jumped at that opportunity. I was promised a free portion of whatever meal I was making at the end. So absolutely jumped at that and yeah I really really enjoyed that so essentially the cooking classes took place in a social work center in Edinburgh and actually we didn't have any cooking facilities there so we had to bring along portable cookers our own cutlery utensils food fresh ingredients etc and yeah we kind of just had to make the most of what resources we had and so these cooking classes were essentially for patients from lower socioeconomic areas in Edinburgh a lot of them did have social issues so we worked quite so quite closely with the social workers and at the end of each session we would feed back to them and actually raise you know any red flags with them as well that came up during the session and so essentially the sessions focused on you know, teaching cooking skills to these parents who often didn't actually have any experience of cooking, teaching them practical life skills, such as how to write a shopping list, how to budget for shopping, how to actually cook a meal, how to store fresh ingredients as well, things like hand hygiene. So for example, with with touching raw meat and things like that, making sure there's no cross-contamination going on there. And also food storage and we would have like a little session at the end of the cooking classes a little nutrition session and we had a different theme every week as well and that was amazing I loved working closely with the parents and they really enjoyed the cooking sessions as well and I think I learned so much from this experience and um, just even in terms of the barriers that some people face when it comes to healthy eating it's all well and good telling someone to eat a bit healthier and follow the eat well guide but actually if they're you know facing all of these barriers to healthy eating um due to living in a socioeconomically deprived area for example then that advice is no good essentially um so it's about you know teaching people these practical life skills as well and kind of equipping them 
with the ability to make healthy meals at home and, and for their families. And actually, one thing that really stuck with me was that for a lot of these parents, these cooking classes were actually the highlight of their week. And they really, really enjoyed getting out of the house and and coming to the sessions and getting involved. And it was really overall a really positive atmosphere as well so I absolutely love my time with Edinburgh Community Food um unfortunately I finished up with them just before I finished my final placement and that was kind of leading into the start of the pandemic as well and I think for charities like Edinburgh Community Food with COVID it has been really challenging because we haven't been able to do things like cooking classes in person and it's not quite the same over a Zoom call um so I think it has been a shame obviously but hopefully in the near future these kind of things can start resuming and I know a lot of charities have started resuming face-to-face things because I think they are really so important. It sounds like not only you shared your knowledge with the families but it also taught you a lot as well in those sessions so do you think that what you learned from those sessions and the skills you learned in those sessions do they translate into your work now? Yes, 100%. And obviously as dietitians, when we're completing an assessment, we always consider environmental factors and social factors. But this is something that will always be to the forefront of my mind. Thinking about a patient's socioeconomic background, even thinking about their occupation can tell us a lot about that. And often when we complete an assessment for a patient, we might know that much about their social background. So I always try to be quite inquisitive during assessments and and try to pick out any kind of red flags that might stand out. I think it is particularly important when it comes to giving dietetic advice, especially for nutrition support patients, because I think that whole food first approach and food fortification is incredible when it can be implemented. However, if a patient doesn't actually have cooking skills or those facilities at home to prepare food, then they're not going to be able to implement the advice that you give them. So for example, we can suggest that a patient adds butter and cream to their mashed potato, but if they're, they don't have the facilities to cook that potato or they don't actually know how to mash it up, they might not have the dexterity to do so, for example, um, then it, it, the advice isn't much good really. So I think it's really important to consider those environmental factors. Same with a food first approach, encouraging nourishing drinks, for example, those ingredients can be quite expensive. For example, going out and buying cream and and butter and sugar and full cream milk, it does add up for patients. So it's actually appreciating the social barriers and the socioeconomic barriers that patients do face when it comes to implementing dietetic plans like this. And on the flip side as well, in terms of weight management, for example, I think a lot of it can come down to socioeconomic factors and we know that people from lower socioeconomic backgrounds are at a higher risk of developing um, obesity. So it is really important to consider that. And for example, the recent government strategy uh, really needs to emphasize this. And I could definitely pick apart a few issues that I personally have with that. But I really feel that, you know, in my own practice as a dietitian, I will always consider the patient's background, socioeconomic factors, any kind of social barriers that there may be to them actually following my dietetic plan, whether that be in terms of dietary education or in terms of nutrition support. So yeah, 100%, um, it does definitely translate into my work as a dietitian. 
Brilliant. Like you say, it's definitely important to have those considerations in mind when making any sort of assessment. So as we've heard today, you've sought out many opportunities as a student to volunteer. Do you have any advice to students on how to get involved in these kind of events and organisations? Yeah, so I'd say to just put yourself out there and get involved in whatever you can get involved in. Um, I really do think that student dietitians are in a unique position to get involved in extra projects and volunteering and things like that. I guess if you don't ask, you don't get. And I definitely always asked for opportunities as a student. I was always looking to get involved in additional things. And it was more so from the perspective of actually enjoying volunteering and wanting some different experiences and wanting to help people as well and to share my skills and knowledge as a student dietitian. I think students can often put a lot of pressure on themselves though to be constantly doing extra things and have extra stuff for the CV and for applying for jobs. Whereas I think for me as a student, I more tried to focus on volunteering that I would actually enjoy and that would benefit me as well as benefiting my CV essentially. I think as student dietitians, we're very much type A people. We're very much perfectionists, always feel like we need to be doing more and more and more when actually it's thinking about, okay, what extra things could I get involved in and what would I actually enjoy doing? And it's going to be different for every student. Again, we can always put pressure on ourselves to get involved in everything when actually that might be very practical. You know, dietetics is a difficult degree. It really is. It's very time consuming and students don't necessarily have time to get involved in volunteering, especially if they have part time jobs or if they're on placement, for example, which is obviously very time consuming. And it is just about considering what students can manage and what they can implement in their day to day life and maybe getting involved with volunteering at different events when they're able to rather than committing to kind of long term volunteering. So it's just thinking about what works for you. Can you tell us about how you managed your time as a student dietitian whilst being involved in so many different projects? <laughs> I spent a lot of time at the library and I didn't have much of a social life. Um, so essentially in my third and fourth years, I didn't go out very much. I definitely had my university experience, but earlier on uh, throughout my course, however, as most of your listeners would probably know, dietetics is quite an intense degree, especially with placements and assignments and projects all the time. And it is really difficult to, to manage your time. I guess it all comes down to organization. And for me, I really just tried to be strict at myself with timing. So especially scheduling in those library sessions and obviously working around lectures and things like that. In terms of getting involved in volunteering, a lot of it was in my final year of university when I didn't actually have as many scheduled classes. Um, so that made it a lot easier. Obviously, I had a lot more free time to get involved with things. Um, I didn't actually continue my volunteering throughout my practice placements. And that's something I really want to emphasize as well, because placement is really time consuming. It's really, really difficult. And a lot of students might be doing placements at the same time as doing assignments, different projects. They might be writing their dissertation at the same time as doing their final placement, which is incredibly challenging. Some students will be working part-time jobs or they might be working, you know, nine to five, Monday to Friday on placement and then working extra shifts in their part-time job the weekend. And they don't have time for things like volunteering. And that's perfectly okay as well. 
it's definitely just thinking about what's realistic, what's practical, and when you can actually fit things in. And for me, I generally just engaged in volunteering when I could. But when it came to my final placement, I was honest with the organizations I did work with. So that was at the time, it was mainly Edinburgh Community Food and the Active Schools. And I essentially was just honest. And I said, look, I, I won't be able to actually keep up this volunteering. I was also moving away for placement. And they were more than understanding as well. And they obviously appreciated the time that I did put into working with them previously. But I think it is really important to set boundaries as well, both with other people and yourself. So if you do want to get involved in extra projects, extra volunteering, it's being quite strict with yourself in terms of the amount of time you're willing to contribute, but also being, you know, quite realistic with it as well. And obviously prioritizing university because that is really important, but it does look really, really good for job applications, having done that extra volunteering and extra projects. And I definitely feel that it helped me with my application for my first band five job, 100% having that on my application and being able to reflect on that as well, as well as actually helping me throughout my practice placements as a student dietitian. So yeah, essentially to recap, organizational skills can help a lot with time management, but it's very circumstantial, definitely depends on the person um, and on how much time they have. That's wonderful advice. Thank you. So through all of the charity work and volunteering that you've done, what would you say is the number one thing, if you could pin it down, that you've learned by doing it? Oh, that's a really difficult one. I'm going to be really cheesy with my answer. And I'm going to say that the main thing I've learned is how much of a difference you can make to someone's life by just showing compassion and kindness and that I told you it'd be cheesy but <laughs> essentially from doing the active schools volunteering Edinburgh community food other projects I've gotten involved with I've met some incredible people through doing that but even to reflect on the active schools volunteering coaching basketball to these pupils was so so rewarding I was able to show that kindness and compassion to them and just put a smile on their face and actually just really promote enjoyment and enjoyment in physical activity and same with the cooking classes again it was just even just having a chat with the people who were coming to do the cooking class being able to relate to them showing them empathy if they confided in me about anything and just being able to then transfer those skills into my practice placements as a student dietitian and obviously dietetics is a very caring and compassionate profession it is a vocation essentially we will always care for our patients and you know care about them as people as well as caring about their nutritional status and I think it has just really emphasized for me the importance of active listening of showing that empathy and compassion and really just realizing how much of an impact you can have on someone's life by just listening to them and I think sometimes working as a dietitian especially for me in quite a busy acute environment sometimes I'm rushing through patient assessments I don't have much time to spend with patients but actually I do find when I do slow down and spend time speaking to those patients it can really really help to build that rapport and also to improve your dietetic intervention so patients are more likely to comply with the advice that you give them if they've already built a rapport with you and they feel quite positive about their nutrition and about the advice that you're giving 
So yeah, I really do think that from all the volunteering I have engaged in, essentially improving someone's quality of life by showing them that kindness and compassion is probably the number one thing that I've learned and brought forward with me. That's a really lovely sentiment. So we've talked a lot about what students can be doing alongside the degree to build those skills. How important is it that student dietitians continue to push themselves to learn and get involved in different projects even after graduation? Oh, that's a difficult one. So I definitely think that graduate dietitians need to continue to improve their knowledge and skills, whether that be through attending additional webinars, additional education sessions, reading research papers, even just networking within the profession or other members of the MDT. I do think that that's really, really important, but I'm not so sure that it's quite as important to continually push themselves to be involved in additional projects and volunteering outside of university. Upon reflection, as a student, I had so much more free time than I do now that I'm working full time as a dietitian. As a student, you can maybe volunteer in between lectures or you might have a day off during the week uh, that you can free up, but it's not quite as easy when you're working in a full-time job. I also think that working as a graduate dietitian can be incredibly demanding. We don't stop learning the minute we finish placement. We are continually learning as graduate dietitians. We are continually upskilling and learning more. And actually for some people, maintaining more of a work-life balance may be more important than continually getting involved in additional extracurricular things outside of their first band five job and that's something that I really really want to emphasize because I do feel that as dietitians we are type a people a lot of us we are perfectionists we feel that we need to be constantly pushing ourselves constantly achieving more however sometimes the most important thing is maintaining your barriers and you know maintaining that work-life balance as well and so for graduate dietitians, I would say, yeah, definitely get involved in extra projects and things like that if you're interested in them. However, be realistic about the amount of time that you can dedicate to those projects. Be realistic about projects that you'd actually like to get involved in and that will be sustainable. Because I really do, really do think that graduate dietitians have it tough, <laughs> especially at the moment. I mean, you know, COVID is still ongoing. I started my first BAM5 job throughout the pandemic and it was incredibly demanding and I definitely did struggle at times and I didn't actually continue much volunteering over the past year and a half and I'm very open about that and it was obviously a lot more challenging with COVID. Obviously there weren't as many opportunities to get involved in things. However, even personally, I'm now looking at different opportunities I can now start to get involved in. For example, leading up to Christmas, there's lots of food banks and different charities that would like input from a dietitian. Um, and I know that that kind of work will be quite rewarding. So there are always opportunities out there. It's just thinking about what you can actually manage and whether you'd actually benefit from getting involved in those projects right now or whether you'd benefit a bit more from settling into your first job getting used to things, getting to grip with everything, and then perhaps considering the extracurricular things. So as a final question, then, our podcast is created for student dietitians. If you could go back in time and give advice to your student self, knowing what you know now, what would it be? 
Oh, there are so many things that I would like to go back in time and say to my student dietitian self. I think the main thing I would tell myself is to stop comparing my own journey to that of my peers. And that is something I'm definitely guilty of even now comparing myself to co-workers but as a student I was quite competitive and I definitely compared myself to my peers in terms of grades feedback for assignments even progress on placement as well and I would go as far as to say that it was almost detrimental to my progress on placement because I was constantly comparing my feedback to the feedback of my peers even though they were working in completely different settings and for different NHS trusts And actually, my progress was very different to theirs. So, for example, on my B placement, I was working in a big acute hospital. It was my first time being on a ward. And so it took me a little bit longer to get used to that kind of an environment, whereas some of my peers were working in a community setting. So they were working in outpatient clinic. And actually, they had a lot more opportunities to speak to patients and complete assessments. So they were getting all of their assessment tools signed off really quickly, whereas for me, it was taking a bit longer. And I remember feeling quite frustrated and and being quite unsure about my own progress. And even in terms of attitudes about placement, I mean, placement is difficult. It really is. And I feel like there's almost this expectation that student dietitians should be absolutely loving their placement and really enjoying every minute of it and and that it's the most wonderful thing in the world. Whereas when I was a student on placement, I definitely struggled at times. I absolutely loved it at times, but it was really challenging. And I also found it difficult comparing myself to my peers in terms of our attitudes about placement. So a lot of my peers would say that they were loving their placements and they were working with amazing teams and they were getting amazing feedback. And at times I definitely was overthinking everything and feeling quite frustrated that I didn't feel the same way and worrying as well about why why I wasn't absolutely loving placement like all of my peers. So I do think the main thing I would say to myself is to just stop comparing your own journey is different to that of your peers. And looking back, say three years ago, I could not have imagined myself being where I am now. And it is crazy to look back at at my journey. You know, I graduated in July, 2020 and it's now November, 2021. And I'm working as a specialist dietitian in a job that I absolutely love. And I love the specialities I'm working in, but to be honest, a few years ago, that would have almost felt completely unachievable for me. So it is just thinking about, you know, focusing on your own journey, focusing that things will work out the way that they're meant to, and that you will find your feet. For some people, it may take them years and years to even discover which speciality they would like to stay in within dietetics. And that's the great thing about dietetics. It is so fluid. You can move speciality whenever you like, you can't really get bored but for some people even in terms of progression and progressing from a band five job to a band six job as well emphasizing that there is no right or wrong time to go for a specialist role I went for my specialist role because I knew that they were specialities that I was really really interested in I absolutely loved colorectal surgery I loved gastro and I really wanted experience in critical care So when my current job was advertised, I absolutely jumped at the opportunity to to go for it. But 
I know for some of my peers, they don't know what areas they want to specialize in yet. And often some band six jobs can be quite specific. So they can be in one very you know, specific area of dietetics. And actually you may benefit more from staying in a band five rotational role and getting that experience rotating across different specialities. So there is no right or wrong time to go for a specialist role. There's also no right or wrong time to go for a band five job, for example, if you'd rather take some time out outside of university um, before actually starting uh, a full-time job, that's completely okay as well. Everyone has a different journey. So the most important thing is to focus on you and to focus on your own journey rather than that of your peers. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Estelle. I'm sure a lot of us students have had very similar thoughts at various stages in our programmes. So thank you so much for your time today and obviously for sharing your valuable experience with us. Estelle's social media handles will be linked in the show notes for you to take a look at. She has some fantastic information on her Instagram. A huge thank you once again to New Ultra for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Dietitian Cafe RD2B podcast, consider subscribing and leaving a review or a five-star rating so that we can reach even more RD2Bs. You can also follow New Altra on social media at New Altra across all platforms to keep up to date with the podcast and to hear the latest updates on medical nutrition. Thank you for listening and our next episode will be out soon.